Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello there and welcome to Wikishuffle. I'm Jack. I'm joined as ever by Chris. Hello. And my good pal Phil. Hello. As you might know, it's our 100th episode next week. 100. Can you believe that? No, I genuinely can't. I can't see how the hell we've waffled on for 100 episodes of this. That is a lot, isn't it? Is it too much? (laughs) Yeah. Arguably, it's more wiki shuffle than the world asked for. So, we've been doing a little game, haven't we, Phil? Why don't you tell the listeners all about it? We've been playing a little game in the run-up to our centennial episode next week, which comprises each of us in turn selecting some articles from Wikipedia and then reading out the links to other articles on Wikipedia from there within, and then the other two of us guess what article the original article was. This is the sixth week of us doing this now. I should have been able to get that description a bit more succinct. But you either get it or you don't, and if you don't, it'll be over soon enough. That can be our motto. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be over soon enough. What, Phil, are the scores on the doors? So far, I won one week, so I choose... Oh, yeah, and the prize for... successfully completing this Herculean task is getting to select an article for us to cover in depth during our 100th episode. So I will be selecting one article. Chris has won one time, so he will be Mm -hmm. selecting one article. And Jack has won three times and will be selecting three articles as it stands. It's going to be a misery fest next week. Uh, Yeah, look forward to that. A bumper episode of Jack choosing horrible, horrible (laughs) things for us to talk about. On account of him having no soul. What you really wanted, what the listeners really wanted, was for me to win them all. Because yeah, I, I would pick their, uh, their fun articles. I don't care. But for unfortunately, the I am not a good horse to back. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> no, I don't really care for the listeners, so I'm fine. I just want to make you two as miserable as possible. Mission accomplished. Shall we begin? Go ahead. With article first. Lansing, Michigan. Shotokan Karate. Karate Kid. Stevie Wonder. Correct Kid 2. Young Living. Environmentalist. The Dalai Lama. Donald Trump. Aikido. Judo. Street Fighter. North Hollywood. Above the Law. Saturday Night Live. Oh, this is just designed for Chris to win. Billy Bob Thornton. Angelina Jolie. Fire Down Below. Why am I not getting this? Direct to video. MacGyver. Reserve Deputy Chief. The Glimmer Man. The Glimmer Man? Vladimir Putin. Um, what was his name? Alec Baldwin. On Deadly Ground. And finally... Stephen Scout. Stephen Scout is the correct <laughs> answer. You were going to get Under Siege as your final clue. Yeah, I've seen that film. It's not a good film. He's a mystery of a human, Steven Seagal. I learned a couple of things while reading his Wikipedia page, such as the fact that Stevie Wonder guested on his album. What? Stevie Wonder guested on Steven Seagal's debut album. He 
had a debut hell? album. And also um, that he is roundly considered to be the worst host of Saturday Night Live that they've ever oh, had. Oh, yes, yes. He's, he's terrible. <laughs> um, and he refused to do one skit where one of the characters jokingly said that they could beat him in a fight. He wasn't happy with that. He wouldn't let that be aired. <laughs> so, Chris, you want nil up? Yes. That's what the people want. People's champion, that's what they call me. No, it isn't. Well, it's, yeah, what, it is. it's what you call you. <laughs> Next up, Another World. Hanson. What, what's her name? You know, the one who, you know. No, go on. Jello. It's not really a clue, but I like saying it, and it was mm. in the article, so. Dennis Quaid. Teen Pop. Bobby. Winnie Houston. Elizabeth Taylor. Rehabilitation facilities. We, when you stand Bubbles, <laughs> Bubbles the monkey. It's not Michael Bubbles Jackson. It's not Michael Jackson. Macaulay Culkin. Young Artist Award. That seventies show. Redhead. Playboy. Lohan. Lindsay Lohan. Yes. Uh, no. Lindsay Lohan is the correct answer. So Chris goes two for naught. The people's champion. Well done, Chris. Two congratulations. Three for me, two for you, one for Phil. So yeah, next week we will have our bumper six article episode. Three selected by Jack, two by Chris and one by me. And if any listeners have anything particularly horrible that they think would be fun to discuss, you can tweet me at Duke, J-O-O-K, and yeah, you might get your article read out on this podcast. If it's sufficiently awful. I'm going to pick some really nice stuff. Let's do some wiki shuffle proper. What merry hell have we come up with here? <laughs> this is the Wikipedia page for Hattoful Boyfriend. I have heard of this. Yeah, I have as well. I have not. Please investigate. Hattoful Boyfriend, a school of hope and white wings. Okay. I'm no closer. Is a Japanese doujin soft Atomi visual novel nope. released in 2011 for Microsoft Windows and OS X. It was developed by manga artist Hato Moa's Dojin Circle, Pigeonation Inc. And is the successor of a Flash game with the same name. Mm, I don't understand What's, what, what these words mean. I know it's a game, and I know roughly what it involves. Mm, same. There's no clue from the picture, which is the cover of the game by the looks of it. So it's lots of Japanese writing. There's a broken um, egg. A broken egg, that's so it. So what could that, that mean? What happens when an egg gets broken? Dinner. Yeah, omelette. <laughs> or, or something has hatched. Something oh, has hatched. New life. It doesn't look like a very big egg, so what? It's about being a chick. Is that it? Is you, you just role-playing a chick and growing up. I, you know what? I nearly bought this game. Shut up, did you? Yeah, because it just looked mental. I'd seen it's, it and I thought, that looks crazy. I want to play that. And then I thought, mm, that's probably... It's quite recent. It's probably rubbish. It's quite recent. It's on PS. You can get it on PlayStation, can't you? Yeah. I've watched before <clears throat> someone, like a journalist, playing some of it, um, and it's, it's proper batshit. 
<laughs> okay. Hatterful Boyfriend received generally positive reception. Reviewers praised the game's replay value as well as its writing and characterization. While repetitive gameplay and the accessibility of the game's bad boys love mode received a more mixed response. No idea what that means. A sequel, Hatterful Boyfriend Holiday Star, was released on the 29th of December 2011, with an English version being released on Christmas Day the following year. In addition to the main games in the series, Hatterful Boyfriend has made translations into other media, a monthly webcomic, several supplementary materials and official doujin works have been released, and four drama CDs based on the series have been made an episodic web series began in 2014 is this more popular than I thought it was I thought this was like a very very obscure thing that not a lot of people were into so what is it what what is game gameplay all I'm seeing in the picture is a picture of a pigeon that appears to be talking (laughs) it's not talking it's flirting (laughs) so there's a picture there's a picture of a pigeon and he's standing in front of a, a school. And not like a, a drawing of a pigeon, a photograph of a pigeon. Yeah, this is a photorealistic pigeon. <laughs> and he's called Ryuta. And Ryuta is saying to the player, i.e. you, Living as a hunter-gatherer sounds tough. I'd be happy to make you breakfast, you know. Ooh. So he's a flirty pigeon. We all met a few flirty pigeons. You see, I wouldn't read that as flirting. That just seems helpful to me. Either you know more about the game, or you see pigeons differently from how I do. <laughs> I'd be happy to make you breakfast, you know. That's clearly flirting. Yeah. Have you ever flirted before? Not with a pigeon. That's what you, you go <laughs> I've offered to make people breakfast before and it hasn't been flirting. Was that not where that was? <laughs> <laughs> you, no, but if like you go up to ladies and you say, hey, I'd like to make you breakfast. That's creepy when you do well, it. Yeah, you make it sound like you want to eat them for breakfast. <laughs> Tell me what the game is. Okay, it does say in the text below the picture that the bird is flirting with the player. Somebody else is on your side. To me, if a pigeon said that to me, I just think the pigeon was being friendly. I don't assume pigeons flirt with me. (laughs) Are you serious? Look at your beard. The lady at the end of Home Alone 2. Yeah, yeah. that's basically Phil. Phil's the modern day version of that. (laughs) Just a bit less hygienic. Hatterful Boyfriend is an interactive text-based visual novel that follows a branching plotline with the player's decisions determining which of the game's multiple endings they receive. The title is a pun on the Wasai Aigo word Hatofuru, meaning heartful, and the Japanese word Hato, meaning pigeon, as the game features pigeons and other birds as major characters. Right, so interactive text-based novel... Boring clicky game. <laughs> yeah. No, all like of your them. all of your actions have consequences <laughs> and all the outcomes are different. Which if anyone's ever played a what's the name of the ones that do the Walking Dead and the Telltale. Telltale. Oh. If anyone's ever played a Telltale Games game, uh, they make it look like that, but really you're choosing between two possible options and they and all always branch back to the same yeah, place yeah, anyway. Yeah. But this um, one's got it's just the sexy pigeons. I don't find them sexy personally. Jack clearly does, and you're Wait, on what? the fence. I'm on the fence. Well, no, I didn't say I found them sexy. You said there's nothing you want more than for that pigeon to make you breakfast in the morning after <laughs> you've given it a good seeing to. That's what you said. You can't take it back now. We've got it on. We've recorded that. I don't think I said that. I'm pretty you did, sure you yeah. did. Pretty did sure I? that's yes. what you said. Those yeah. were the words. Oh, it was definitely the subtext, if it nothing else. It does sound like something I'd say. I just don't remember saying <laughs> it. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I would say on, at the minute, I'm on the fence. As to like a pigeon. Like to... <laughs> exactly like a pigeon. Offenses, aren't they? I, I'm I mean. curious to see what the fuss is about this game. I'm also, I'm not quite sure about 
purchasing it. Okay. Bad Boys Love, a hidden alternate story mode, opens with the discovery of the protagonist's corpse, after which the player follows her best friend, Ryuta Kawara... Oh, the pigeon from the picture. ...as he investigates the circumstances of her death and unravels darker conspiracies surrounding the school. The pigeon? The pigeon does that. The pigeon detective. Okay. All right. I'll go with it. This is one of those games that I think is a little bit of... Is a secret. So if you, so, like yeah, so Jack, you might be playing a good game now. You actually have completed this multiple times and done all the different branching paths, and we would never know because you've kept it to yourself. I've played a few games like that, stupid phone games in particular, where you mm. think I can't let anybody know that this is happening. But you're coming out of your shell now with all your magics. Yeah, I think there's, now is the time. Let's get a gimp amnesty going. You just tell us all about the stupid stuff you've spent your hours with. And what? I, I'm absolved for my sins? Yes. No, I don't want to. Come on. There can't to. be anything more embarrassing than Magic the Gathering. No, I don't want to. No, oh, God, there is. <laughs> <laughs> there's something more... No, you know the... To- you've done it too. The sort of stupid, clicky games that you get on your phone that you turn around and... Why am I doing this? Oh, Disco Zoo. Me and Lauren played Disco Zoo for ages. Oh, yeah. Egg Inc. I played Egg Inc. for a long time. That's just clicking eggs. <laughs> That's literally what it is. <laughs> you were one of the cookie people as well. Oh, I'm so, I still play Cookie Clicker. You, nobody still plays Cookie Clicker. People gonna, give that half an hour of their life and then never look back. No, surely. I've literally got it open on a tab at work right now. It's been running over the weekend. <laughs> I'm just obsessed with it. It just I need to get to the end. There is no end. That's the problem. But hey, I like it. It's um, therapeutic. Is it though? No, it ruins me. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about. No, but having diverted ever so slightly, as you are a gimp and a weird man and you have your weird beard and stuff like that, I just wanted to say how remarkable it is that people that I know keep telling me that they fancy you. (laughs) (laughs) It is weird, isn't it? it Every few weeks, one of my friends, who you don't know but I do, will say, oh, I really fancy Phil. Why, though? You just said he likes magic cards. It's unfathomable. There's but it no- keeps happening. And there's nothing redeeming about me. No, there's- God no. The only thing I can think of is that this is obviously audio. Mm, that helps. So they can't see you. That, that's so it, I think once yeah. they saw you, they well, probably no, think, oh, that's, okay. that's not it either. I think he's a bit hes a bit Gary Sparrow with your pheromones. Audio pheromones is what I'm Not doing. just audio, because there's a girl I used to work with that used to say... I do think I've had you for a little bit. Who's this? Who's this? <laughs> this, is, this is Red. <laughs> but you also said, to leave the name out, I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. I don't know what this ingredient is. So I'm guessing it's just you've got like Rohypnol Cologne. I don't know. I got Rohypnol Cologne. I don't know what, <laughs> what it would be. No, thanks. I think <laughs> Very just... kind of you both to say. <laughs> She was an attractive. No, but she was like, like attractive. Yeah. And actually, Phil, your girlfriend's attractive. And these people that have been telling me that they fancy you, they're attractive. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) Maybe he is a wizard. What's going? No, but this is no. That's weird. I just I thought maybe it's just my friends. Maybe it's people I hang out with. Maybe they've. So what is it? Yeah, I have no idea about this little. Weird troll boy. Bearded man with tiny hands. Got no idea. Oh, that's what... I've been trying to think your beard today is a little bit more wild than usual. I've been trying to think what it reminds me of and what you look like today. It's when they found Saddam Hussein in his little hole. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, seriously, it's exactly the same kind of of beard. It's like... 
It's great. It's getting. It's getting. It's getting width. I don't like it when yeah, it gets width. Yeah. It needs taming. I need to do something about it. But what are you, you going to do? Don't. So, ladies, can you imagine the lady? What the ladies are thinking, though. It's not just ladies. Right, untamed beard. I have. Uh, I have a gayman. You know. Oh yeah. You know gayman. Um, and he's. He, I mean, you, you kind of know Paul. You've met Paul a few times, and he's he's obsessed. He can leave this in. I, I think he's loud and proud about his love for Phil. So there you go. You know, if you are listening to this. So and you've, you, you've seen Saddam Hussein in his little hole before and thought, oh, I know I shouldn't. <laughs> 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 then uh, get in touch and we'll pass your details on to Phil and, you know, can decide whether he wants to cheat on his girlfriend or not. Have any so of your friends of you. said that they fancy me or Chris? No. <laughs> they have no? Nothing? I mean, yes, they have all the time, non-stop. <laughs> all right, well... I'm glad I got that off my chest because it's, it's weird, starting to it? freak me out a little yeah. bit. No shit. I'm not even joking. Two women, one man have come out to me as Phil fans. <laughs> they want you to fill them up. Oh, it's getting it's gross now. Can we get back to... Because <laughs> you're making me blush. Can we get back to her TOEFL boyfriend? Because I still don't understand what the bloody hell is going on here. The player assumes control of the protagonist, a teenage human girl. I thought the... What? But the... Protagonist was dead no. and was a pigeon. I think that's something. Sort of oh no, subplot. that's in a hidden alternate story mode where you play as the protagonist, mm-hmm. um, who's a pigeon. <laughs> the player assumes control of the protagonist, a teenage human girl. As the game follows a branching plotline with multiple endings, at various points during gameplay, the player is allowed to make choices that determine which character's romance route the player will encounter. So it's like it's a it's a romance, it's a dating simulator. Is that what it is? And you get to play as a teenage girl. So you, but, but fancy's pigeons. I think it's this all pigeons. This is Japan. I think they're all pigeons. They're all pigeons. Except it's, you. Except the teenage human girl. That you play. Who's falling in love with different... And you choose which pigeon she falls in love I, with. I think it's, I think so. How do you determine between pigeons? Just so I have a look at them and be like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that one, I'd quite fancy so, that one. See if you have a connection. So, it's a pigeon fancying simulator. Oh, very good. <laughs> Let's let's find out more rather than speculating because I feel as though the mind of this creator is not not ripe for speculation. Mm. It will confound us at every turn. On weekdays, the player can also choose which classes to attend, which changes one of the protagonist's three stats depending on the activity chosen. Having certain stat values are required to obtain the good endings for each love interest and to otherwise advance along certain routes. There are 13 endings in total, one ending for each of the main love interests, three extended endings for three of the love interests based on stat values, one ending for the Gaiden-esque Tarimi Cafe storyline, and one ending attained if the player fails to romance any character. So it's not a dating simulator then? Because you, can you don't have to, to romance anyone. Yeah. I guess if you just lose. <laughs> That's depressing. All the pigeons <laughs> just pointing and laughing at you. That doesn't happen to Phil. All the pigeons love him. This is the plot. <laughs> Her toeful boyfriend is set in an alternate version of Earth in which sapient, anthropomorphic birds have seemingly taken the place of humans in society for reasons that are hinted at but not fully explained in the dating simulation portion of the game. In Bad Boy's Love, it is revealed that Hatterful is set in a post-apocalyptic, dystopian future in which a pandemic of deadly mutated strain of H5N1 virus or bird flu nearly wipes out mankind in the year 2068. The release of a counter-virus cultivated to destroy the virus 
coronavirus's avian carriers, in a desperate attempt to stop the spread of the disease, ends up backfiring as birds who resisted the virus instead developed human-level intelligence. Okay, right. So it turns into Planet of the Pigeons, which is a <laughs> film I would really want to see. It does sound quite good. These pigeons are still pigeon-sized. Yep. They've not mutated. They haven't got they know, just opposable got thumbs no, just or anything useful. They're just clever. Thinking. Thinking outside pigeons normally think. War soon breaks out between the newly uplifted birds and the remnants of humanity, resulting in birds emerging as the planet's new dominant life forms as humans continue to succumb to the disease. It's Planet of the Apes. Following several terrorist attacks... This is nothing... It was a going-to-school-choose-your-classes-fall-in-love simulator for. Now it's... Bird War Apocalypse. Yep. Following several terrorist attacks by a human insurgency, all remaining humans have been forced to live in the wilderness away from civilization in a form of apartheid like segregation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm wow. this. This is dark. <laughs> oh, I'm tempted. I bet it's rubbish. Uh, are you listening to what Phil's saying? Yeah, I am. <laughs> Can't be rubbish. The game's story takes place primarily at St. Pigeon Nations Institute. Pigeons. Pigeon Nation. <gasps> it's yeah. not working on as many levels as your gasp would suggest it is. <laughs> I just got it. So. A bird-only high school located in the fictional Japanese town of Little Dove Hachiman City. Long after open warfare between humans and birds has ended. So, so, so the, this isn't about the war. This is post-war. This is post-war, yeah. We've gone but the birds have just won and they've taken over and the, the pit remaining poorly people are all in concentration camps. It sounds like something Chris would write. <laughs> it does a bit. Only bleaker. No, yours never skews towards the bleak. Yours no. is always quite aspirational and uplifting. Yeah, you're, but for you're, the birds. Instead of the, the jungle folk that tends to populate the hippocampus. I certainly got the impression that hippocampus hadn't been formed because the jungle folk had overturned humanity. No, apartheid hadn't happened. No, but they'd, they'd be living together peacefully. Yeah. Are we the, still talking about hippocampus? <laughs> Uh, running up to episode 100, Hippocampus is definitely a theme that we're continuing with. That's good. And like I imagine also in Hippocampus, even the animals that naturally would be opposed to one another, like lions and gazelles, would, would study together in harmony. They fall in love. They fall in no, love. No, they and take don't. It even further. Yeah, they do. It's taboo. Oh, it is. But it's a it's an our kids film. Mm. There's taboo interspecies love it's going PG-12. on. It's PG-12. That's not even a thing. <laughs> <laughs> there are some romantic plot lines that get developed further. Yeah, like you said, lions and gazelles. So there is some prejudice going on because obviously they're keeping it secret for a reason. We've not quite reached full harmony yet, but we're on our way. It's definitely yeah. a progressive story. It's like now. Like in this room. <laughs> <laughs> no, just like now. It's just... It's like we were you talking about um, Goodnight Sweetheart yesterday. Well, we do that because we've got another podcast that's yes. exclusively about Goodnight Sweetheart called The Goodnight Sweetcast. And there's a bit in that where there's a gay couple... And 90s people don't know how to react to it. Mm-hmm. That's the same in Hippocampus. So is that, that, that's the time period we're at. So you're saying that the gay people and lions and gazelles are the same? Yeah, this is red. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think that's what you were saying at all. No. I think you're saying that it's a boy lion and a boy gazelle, and that's fine. Yeah. You're saying that... I want um, to stop. I want to get off the train. <laughs> Okay, before before we get accused of any hate crimes. Yeah. Which we're definitely not committing. We're not suggesting in any way that being gay is comparable to bestiality. That's not what we were saying. Well, regardless, I got off at the last stop. So. Okay. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> 
Right, anyway, we're long after open warfare between humans and birds have ended. Society has adjusted to the avian conquest, though with minor bird-related cultural changes. (laughs) (laughs) For example, while some holidays such as Christmas and Tanabata are celebrated much as they are in the present day, I don't even know what Tanabata is, a major event in the game is Lugamentine's Day, an amalgamation of the tradition of St. Valentine's Day and Setsuban. I don't know what that means. No. In a more grim case, the terms war dove and war hawk have been repurposed as labels for two opposing political factions divided over the ongoing mutual hostility between birds and the human minority. The altruistic dove party, who advocate for cooperation and peace between the two groups, and the militant hawk party, whose goal is to exterminate humanity altogether. This is... A lot to take in. By the time Hatterful Boyfriend's narrative begins, the Dove Party, the Hawk Party, and their respective schools of thought dominate much of the world's politics. I thought it was about getting off of birds. The primary playable character in Hatterful Boyfriend is the human protagonist, a boisterous hunter-gatherer who lives in a cave in the wilderness. I don't understand, Phil. I don't... I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Her eight potential love interests in the original version of the game who together form the rest of the main cast eight are... Eight of them? She's got eight... It's like Phil. So it's a human protagonist, but her love interests are Ryota Kawara, a rock Fuck dove. <laughs> so this is... covered in <laughs> Pecking at his beard for the crumbs that he's left in. Someone's so... getting off on that right now. And I don't like it. <laughs> A human main character, her love interests are Ryuta Kawara, who is a rock dove. So this is interspecies love here. And the protagonist's sickly but hard-working childhood friend, Sakuya Labai Shiragani, a fantail pigeon and snobbish French aristocrat. Sakuya's older half-brother, Yuyu Sakazaki, a popular and flirtatious but strangely secretive fantail pigeon. Nageki Fujishuro, a quiet, bookish, morning dove who never seems to leave the library. This is so deep. San Oko, an athletic, hyperactive fantail pigeon who is obsessed with pudding. (laughs) Angel Higuri, an eccentric, Luzon bleeding heart who behaves as if he were in some kind of fantasy role-playing game. Imagine. Kazuaki Nanaki, a kind but narcoleptic button quail. <laughs> and the protagonist's homeroom teacher and Shu Awamini, a creepy antisocial Chukar partridge who serves as the school's doctor. This is so weird. Azami Koshibi, a no-nonsense Java sparrow and Takayaki saleswoman became a possible love interest in the 2014 remake. Oh, I'm not sure I can deal with uh, a human woman and a female pigeon. That's, That's just a step craziness. too far. Yeah. <laughs> Got to draw the line somewhere, haven't you? That's so weird. We're about a fifth of the way through this article. The events of Hatterful Boyfriend begin in the year 2188 when the protagonist starts her second year of high school. After a hectic and surreal freshman year of attendance at St. Pigeon Nations, the protagonist has grown accustomed to the confusion of being the only human in a school full of birds. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you would after a while, wouldn't you? You just go, all right, fine. To be honest, that's a little bit how school felt to me anyway. (laughs) Not, but I felt maybe like the only bird in a school full of humans. You could do an evening. Maybe that's the whole point about school feeling like you feel like a bit of an outsider 
and yet you fancy all the people there anyway. Do you know what? Even, the thing though, is... even though you're pretty sure you can't be of the same species of them. Yeah, that feels about right. This story is so deep. I bet that is something that they did think about. The story of the dating simulation portion of the game follows the protagonist and the interspecies love and hijinks of both the mundane high school and quasi-anthropomorphic bird-specific varieties <laughs> that ensue as she draws the attention of and attempts to romance one of a number of eligible birds she comes into contact with over the course of the year. I think this is your game, Jack. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to play this. Interspecies love and hijinks. They're all your favourites. Well, I don't even know what that's meant to mean. It's an interesting philosophical question. At the, at the heart of it, if there was another species that was equal in intelligence to humans, hmm. falling in love between the two... Oh, like Star Trek. That happen? Yeah, like Star Trek. But whenever you see it in Star Trek, there's always the implication that there's some sort of sexual compatibility, like um, the fact that Spock's half Vulcan and half mm. human. So in that case, yeah. that just seems fine. That's just another sort of breed, if you like. But if you're an entirely different species with no sexual interconnectivity... Like Twelve vaginas. Well, yes, no, that's, that's, like. that's, that's a lot of connectivity. <laughs> Spoiled for just a smorgasbord. <laughs> Uh, sexy alien ladies I can get on board with. Pigeons, not so much. Well, that's the thing. But if a pigeon is as intelligent as a human... Which they clearly are. How much of the human connectivity between two people in a relationship is based on the the sharedness of form? Hmm. I mean, I, could, I think it would definitely be possible to fall in love with a pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure f- the physical aspect of the relationship would be very fulfilling but I've... after a while once you've built the connection on a mental level surely the physical stuff would mean less to you but it wouldn't be a true relationship without any physical aspect it would just be friendship i just don't think i could fuck a pigeon no matter how intelligent it was <laughs> <laughs> In fact, it seems worse the more intelligent the pigeon is. <laughs> no, if the pigeon's got no concept of self, then it's not going to have any lasting damage psychologically from the act of you having violated it. But if it, I'm not violating. No, no, this is a loving human pigeon relationship here. I would argue mm. that an- anatomically, it's going to feel violated. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> Irrespective of levels exactly, of consent. Exactly. That's that's what I'm getting at. It, it, mm. You're incompatible. In that sense. <laughs> but you'd have the conversation with the pigeon. You'd say, like, well, how is this going to work? And the pigeon would be like, well, this, physically we can't, we can't do this. So. so we just have to enjoy the mental spoils of our relationship. Yeah. You can shoot your load on my beak. <laughs> <laughs> I feel as though thematically... This has very close connections to some of the feelings that are elicited when you watch San Junipero, which is the episode Mm. of the new Black Mirror series, which, frankly, anybody who's seen it won't have been able to think about much else other than that. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So, 
hour so of TV um, over the last couple of weeks because it is so good. It's phenomenal. But there are definitely very real aspects of physicality and sexual physicality that are brought to light about that, and it feels kind of similar. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Obviously taken to a... But we're pigeons. <laughs> taken a, a little bit further... It's it's an interesting thought experiment. I mean, it's batshit. I'm not going to argue that it's not batshit. But as a thought experiment, it is interesting. Where is love? Do those connections exist? And are they dependent on hmm. physicality? Because it's obviously not down to the ability to reproduce, which is the theoretically hmm. the whole point of partnership, because that's obviously not the case, and hmm. evidentially not the case even by the fact that people carry on loving each other after being able to have children in heterosexual relationships. So it's not just about that. I suppose after a while in most relationships, it, that aspect of it dries up anyway. So where did you fall in love with a pigeon? Well, I'd say those, those first you know, months or years would be difficult to comprehend without some sort of physical relationship. But like you say, you could just come on their beak and that's, maybe that's enough. Brownie Brackets Girl Guides Oh, those people A brownie is a member of a guiding organisation for girls aged 7 to 10 years old Exact age limits are slightly different in each organisation Any of you in any one of these organisations for scouting? I imagine Phil was I went to scouts once um, because my friend did and I hated it, and I cried when my mum picked me up and said I never want to go again. What did they do? I, I have no knowledge of any of these sort of organisations, because I've never even thought about it. So what did they do? It's like on a weeknight they get together and just learn about wood. Learn about wood, rope, knives. I, it was it was just really odd. Just it seems odd. I didn't feel it. Do they have to wear a uniform? Like, I felt creeped out as a kid. I was just like, no, this is not good. I didn't like it. I went to the Cubs, so from probably 7 to 11, that sort of age, I was a Cub Scout, (laughs) and I really enjoyed that. The thing that was weirdest about it, which you've not really covered about what it is that they do, was the weird religious and nationalistic doctrination that goes on. So it's organised a little bit militarily, so you're sort of in packs that are like regiments and each one's got a leader and stuff like that. But at the beginning, you pledge allegiance to the flag and oh, really? you do hymns. And for me in particular, and this might not have been as noticeable for you, not least because you'd have gone 10 years later than me, so it might have changed a little bit over that because it definitely felt as though it was changing while I was there. But because I had no real exposure to religion at all growing up compared to you guys, mm. it felt very full-on, very Church of England, very Mm. uh, a world that even then felt ridiculous to me. I can remember singing the hymns and thinking, what on earth is this all about? I I think it's tried to move away from that, certainly in the UK, and it'd be more about that thing that it purports to be about being outdoorsy and woodsmancy. And that's the stuff that I really enjoy. All it's about is putting up a tent. Putting up a tent, starting a fire. I remember one of the funnest things I've ever done in my life was at Cub Camp, which was a competition where we all went... (laughs) People fancy him. (laughs) 
I want to describe this competition because this is something that I would love to do as an adult. Do you remember, or are you aware of, because I think they still exist, the treacle syrup tins with the push-on yeah. lid, the yeah. metal ones? Mm -hmm. So each team had one of those, and it had got like a tablespoon of water in it and the lid was pressed on tight. And it was an against the clock first team to build from scratch a fire and get it hot enough that when they put this tin on it, it exploded and the lid came off. It was the, uh, literally the most fun I can ever remember having in my life was that competitive activity. Hmm. I can't remember if we won or what, but as a process, giddy. it was so, oh, giddy, absolutely giddy. This is what the ladies like. <laughs> Hold the on, most fun thing you've ever done it's in your life. It's the most fun thing I've ever done in my a life. A team building activity. I, I genuinely loved um, loved Cubs, and then I went to Scouts for for about a month, and I hated it because all the boys were mean. Do you know what? It, I didn't think about it before, but that indoctrination thing is exactly the same as how I sort of stopped going to church for Catholicism and what jazz. Because when I got to about 11, 12, I was like, nah, I don't like this. And yeah, left, same. and this is the same sort of age that it stops at anyway. Yeah. So it's the age that you start thinking for yourself. Yeah. Really, and you start realizing what a load of old bollocks. It just plants the seeds, doesn't it? Yeah. It's all very much about doing your salutes and unquestioning, listening to authority, mm. and I didn't like it. I was questioning it too much at that point. But anyway, we're not talking about cubs or scouts. We're talking about brownies, originally called rosebuds, which is creepy. And I'm glad they changed the name. <laughs> calling young girls rosebuds is creepy. <laughs> uh, they were first organised by Lord Baden-Powell in 1914 to complete the range of age groups for girls in scouting. They were first run as the youngest group in the Guide Association by Agnes Baden-Powell, Lord Baden-Powell's younger sister. In 1918, his wife, Lady Olave Baden-Powell, took over the responsibility for the Girl Guides and thus for brownies. Originally, the girls were called Rosebuds, but were renamed by Lord Baden-Powell after the girls had complained that they didn't like their name. Their name comes from the story The Brownies by Juliana Horatia Ewing, written in 1870. In the story, two children, Tommy and Betty, learn that children can be helpful brownies or lazy bogarts. What the fuck's a bogart? Fuck's a brownie. <laughs> a brownie is like a woodland fairy creature thing, and a bogart's in the same sort of realm, but it's a little trollish thing that's sort of mischievous and not helpful. Um, Jack. Uh, yeah, definitely. I would call Jack a bogart, no question. Oh. Yeah, okay, I got you now. I'm with you. A household fairy or ogre attached to a particular location. Always malevolent. Is you? And you just attached to Corby. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> the Corby bogger. Fuck off. In some areas, such as Northumberland, for example, it was believed that helpful household household sprites like silkies or brownies could turn into malevolent bogarts if offended or ill-treated, which is exactly what's happening now <laughs> because Jack is in a half. <laughs> I'm not doing this anymore. No, you're not. You <laughs> got a couple left. Just get bullied. Yeah, have we expressly mentioned? Because I think we said originally that I might continue doing the podcast while I'm away anyway, didn't we? It'll pop up. Should we talk about the fact that Jack's leaving us? Mm. We've mentioned, Jack, you're travelling around the world. Well, a bit of it, yeah. Enough of it for me to accurately say you're travelling around the world. Yeah, so I'm going to be leaving the podcast. Forever. Forever. Leaving the country forever. Well, yeah. I'll still pop up from time to time, but I believe we're going to have... A rotating guest from... Well, I'll leave in mid-December, so I imagine from then. 
we're going to have a different guest on each week while I'm away. And then I might rejoin at some point. I might not. Who knows? We'll see what happens. But we reckon we've got maybe four episodes of you left. So we've got a bump yeah. 100th episode and then a few more in which to say our goodbyes proper. So let's not milk it too much, eh? And get back to the brownies. It's what we're here for. Mm. Brownies is the second youngest section of girl guiding in the UK for girls aged 7 to 10. Wait, what's younger than 7 to 10 then? Uh, Six. Beavers. Ooh. Yeah, that's... <laughs> beavers and rosebuds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they work in small groups called oh, wait, Sixes. Why are they called after brownies? Girl guides. Oh, yeah. I went on a date with someone who was in charge of brownies. Like, the, their sort of leader. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. A brown owl. Is that what they are? I think so. They you just... went on a date with a bird, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Everything goes full circle. Yeah. She, yeah. She was, she Did like you come a... on a beak? <laughs> <laughs> she was in charge of a squad. <laughs> they call them squads. I don't know what they call them. I didn't really get it. They work in small groups called sixes. Each six is either named after fairies or woodland creatures. A six is led by a sixer and has a second who acts as deputy. The brownie programme is called the Brownie Adventure. It is split into three parts. You, community and world. Brownies work towards interest badges. As of 2016, there are 57. You would love this. You'd love to be a brownie. No, I love collecting badges. I love mm. collecting things. Definitely, it was an early version of gamification. And mm. I really hate it, but our troop didn't really go in for the badge collecting. And that's what I really wanted to do. And you'd go to sort of, I think they were called jamborees, where they'd be scouting groups from all over the country. And some you could see, they'd got their arms just full of badges. And it was clear that they were making a real game of it. And we didn't really care about that. And I didn't well, did like you care that. about that? If you went into the games... Just being good scouts. Uh, yeah, uh, and we used to play games and there'd be... Just help old people and... cross roads, is that fair? Uh, my memory of childhood is very sketchy generally. I have very few childhood memories. I think my memory overall is pretty poor. No, we know, it's just that Hoover's advert. I remember one game that we played at Cubs and thinking, this isn't a very Cubs thing to do. I'm, I'm glossing over your reference to the Hovis advert. Um, <laughs> one game I remember us playing one week was we all got blindfolded... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. With no explanation of what the game was going to be. <laughs> and it being genuinely scary. Um, and then the game was we had to put our hand into a bowl in front of us, and there was a, an array of bowls, and they were all different flavours of crisps. We had to guess what flavour the crisp was. It's where I got my love of crisps from, I think. That's right. That's where the idea was. There wasn't a badge for Fuck. that. There wasn't a badge Hang for on. that. Hang on. If they're bowls of crisps, why, why did you have to be blindfolded? <laughs> if the crisps were in a bowl rather than a bag. Like, it's a good question, but we were definitely blindfolded. I don't like it. I don't want my kids going to any of these organisations. Your pigeon children. You're not having kids. Stop going on about your kids. <laughs> my hypothetical children have already ruled this out. <laughs> so these badges, they can be done in meetings with the units or at home in clubs such as swimming. Brownies can also work towards their adventure badges. These are gained over a period of time and require girls to complete as many different activities such as going on an adventure, taking part in an activity or catching Pokemon. I made that one up. <laughs> there are a few brownie songs that some packs sing at the beginning of the meeting. Come, let us make a brownie ring, a brownie ring, a brownie ring. Come, let us make a brownie ring. We hear our brown owl calling. Under the brownie bridge we go, bridge we go, bridge we go. Under the brownie bridge we go because we are the name of six is entered. This is rubbish. <laughs> it's for seven-year-old girls. Idiots. Right. Yeah. 
So the, the badge, I've looked at the Cub Scout badges, um, what you get these days, and they're all, they all just look a bit boring. Oh, there's one for cybersecurity. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's camper, chef, collector, communicator, cyclist, DIY, equestrian, global conservation, um, home help, home safety. Oh, it's exciting, isn't it? Local knowledge, martial arts. Martial arts. <laughs> my faith, road safety, skater, athlete, athlete plus, world faith. Just a bit. Dull. Would you like me to sing another song? Yes. Yeah. We're brownie guides, we're brownie guides, we're here to lend a hand. We love our God and serve our Queen and help ah. our homes and land. Fuck off. We, is, that, is that now? I think so. Is it is often thing? followed by the next song, it says. So it suggests, yeah. We love our God and serve our Queen and help and to help our homes and land. We've brownie friends, we've brownie friends in north, south, east and west. We're joined together in our wish to try to do our best. Fuck off. The idea of serving a Queen in 2016... Really? I this, How are we not past this shit? I think that they've had a reasonable attempt to modernise. I'm sure that historically it would have been much more about serving your house and training you to be a dutiful wife. Yeah. And I feel like um, that's been put aside. Here is the United Kingdom brownie promise as it exists. I promise that I will do my best and I used to have to recite something very similar to this at the beginning of Cubs. I promise that I will do my best to be true to myself and to develop my beliefs to serve the Queen and my community. You're not a fucking bee! (laughs) You're not a fucking bee! I hate this Queen stuff. Yeah, me too. Uh To help other people and to keep the brownie guide law. So there's no direct reference to God in there anymore. There is to the Queen. So the monarchy has outlived religion in the scouting movement here. That was how what it changed to in, in spring 2013. Before that, it was, I promise that I will do my best to love my God, to serve my Queen and my country, to help other people and to keep the brownie guide law. So they've taken, they've taken the reference to God out, which is nice. And I feel like it was even heavier than that before. The Queen stuff really does frustrate me mm. beyond belief. It's interesting. I can't fathom it. And people get... There's people I have like discussions with about it. They go, well, why does it annoy you so much? I don't know why it annoys me so much. But whenever anything happens, whenever there's any sort of like coronation or jubilee or whatever, I get really angry at seeing people on the streets with their stupid little fucking flags or their big uniforms just standing outside a house. Uh, just Pledging their allegiance to a woman winds me that up. was born into the position that they don't know. I don't want her on my money. <laughs> I'm sick of thinking about her. I'm getting angry at myself for thinking about it. It's really interesting how much it pushes your political buttons because it genuinely it really does. You get more animated about this subject than just about anything else political. Everything else you're willing to just overlook and step back from, but this really gets yeah. you. Whereas for me, I think obviously it's ridiculous, but I see it as pretty inert and just ignore it and don't really care. It's because it's forced at me. I, I think that's the problem. I don't like going to a cash point and then having her face on my money. Yeah, like Phil, mostly I just ignore it. I can't ignore it. But it really winds it, me up. It winds me up when I see people who do stuff like that, who do literally pledge their allegiance to some Burke that was born into a position. I don't understand the in... thinking. I don't understand how you could ever think, yeah, she's she's um, she's worthy of my undevoted um, of my devotion and my 
Yeah, it's just respect like... needs to be earned. And in the Queen's defence, she's never done anything to particularly lose my respect. I think yeah, she's, all right. she's managed fine. the position as well as could be expected. Yeah, this is the other point. As a PR to... exercise, she's been I've excellent. got nothing against the people. It's the title. Yeah, the, the concept. Problem. The is... whole idea of it, that she lives in this big house. It's not even the, it's not even the money. It's just... She exists. There's a fit. We have to have this. It's this embodiment of privilege in such a raw and absolute state that how can that be permitted to go? There's no way that wider equalities can be reached while this still happens, mm. while people are treated this inherently different at birth. It confuses me why I get so angry about it. Mm. Like, I'm confused now. Like, why am I so angry about this old lady? But I just am. <laughs> A surprisingly short article on the brownies there, um, but we've managed to rile Chris, so our work here is done. <laughs> She's just got a stupid hat. I don't understand. That's it. That's episode 99 done. Next week, we'll be back with a six-article episode. I thought that's you were going to say a six-hour episode. I was like, that's not oh, happening. It, might be. <laughs> it could be. It's going to be a bumper. We know that much. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much for listening to 99 episodes of this. Uh, has anyone got any other business? No. I'm just limbering up for the marathon that's going to be next week. When this is released, this episode, we will know who is the new US president. Oh, we will. Will it be, what is it on South Park? A giant douche um, or a massive turd? That's it. Trumpy? No. Or it can't. Clinto. I can't. Um, we said this about the whole. Yeah, I know, but I, I can't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. You're just not allowing it. I'm no. not. I'm not having it. I'm not having it. <laughs> I just said this about the last general election. So from the pattern, it seems like whatever I think is wrong. So. Yeah, <laughs> and whatever the polls say, that's wrong as well. <laughs> but it's just the the trend line that comes out of it of this ever descending line into worse and worse political outcomes it means that we're going to be literally electing a I, I don't know i don't know where it can go that it gets worse than this but to carry on the trajectory that it would be heading if we elect trump then next we're going to have to uh, some kind of what's Zippy. that what's that animal that really good honey badger we have to elect yeah. a honey badger next <laughs> the one that always just goes for the testicles that one that's that's the natural conclusion of where we're headed if trump gets elected if you just follow the curve i'm, I'm staying up all night on tuesday to watch it just to it can't. really really just dwell in the misery like i did with the referendum with the referendum i thought when i went when i went to bed the time i went to bed it was like oh it's fine. With, it's fine. Yeah, everything is fine. Nigel Farage has conceded. Yeah. yeah, it's brilliant. And then I went to bed and woke up and everyone was on fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, not to worry. Right, see you next week then. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Hmm. I mean, I, could, I think it would definitely be possible to fall in love with a pigeon.